0: The future of work and the future for workers is changing from new technologies and talent strategies to the management of tomorrow's workforce. Tap in to Manpower Group Talent Solutions' 60 years of expertise and join us for the Transform Talent podcast, your guide to talent market trends, new technologies and winning talent solutions.
1: and welcome to the eighth episode of the Transform Talent
2: podcast. This is Roberta Cucchiaro and Dominica Gausa. Today, we are talking candidate experience. When your candidate is your customer, candidate experience is everything, just like customer experience. And to find the
1: right qualified candidates, a business not only needs attractive incentives like salary, benefits, advancement opportunities, but also successful outreach and engagement strategy. So businesses may think of a brand as the face of the organization to a customer, but increasingly it's important to present a distinct brand that appears to job seekers as well. And that requires the same type of methods a
2: brand uses to appeal to its target audience. For example, a few years ago, Virgin Media calculated the value of bad candidate experience and the results were astonishing. Bad candidate experience cost Virgin Media almost 5 billion pounds annually. As the analysis had shown, rejected candidates were also Virgin Media's consumers and they decided to switch their subscription to competitors.
1: So join us on this journey where candidates are at the center stage. And as more and more candidates look for security, sustainability of skills, wellness, and the ability to manage their work life, let's learn how listening to what workers want can help you attract and retain the very best candidates, because feedback is
2: everything. And today we're joined by Daniel Birkholm, an entrepreneur within the recruitment and talent attraction space, co-owner of some of Denmark's most promising startups, Company Young, Talent Hub, and Kant. As well as Anna Krogulska, global head of recruitment and employee branding at Danfos, world leader in engineering solutions and present in the field of renewable energy as well. Funny enough, uh, I'm Polish, just set Anna, and I lived in Denmark for a while. So Daniel, what are you?
3: You got
2: it, Anna, Anna, jak się
0: masz? Dziękuję. Bardzo się cieszę za zaproszenie. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's a bit of image. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great start. So let's uh, let's keep this episode on a uh, fun uh, fun mode. So why don't you share three fun facts about you, Daniel and Anna?
0: Of course. Would you go first, Anna? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I found some facts that um, that could be interesting in the context of today's discussion or conversation or dialogue that we are going to have. Well, I'm the representative of the generation X meaning that i was born two years after apple was founded and they just announced or 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 launched their second computer and smartphones were not available and internet as a as a concept uh, was announced only four years before i was born and the last interesting fact about me is that my first job at Mackenzie and Company, I got by bringing my CV in paper directly to the company headquarters in Poland.
1: Now <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> and sometimes it might still work, you know, if you really want to be, oh, yeah. you know, to be <laughs> going in and just being there.
0: <laughs> Maybe not in COVID times, but definitely, <laughs> yeah. uh, definitely, I can imagine can happen.
3: Daniel, yes. <clears throat> so I was also, I mean. There are some fun facts related to like, uh, more like the personal profile. For instance, I play play piano when I relax, but I can't actually, I I don't read any notes (laughs) and actually I can also become a dad any minute right now. So, I mean, we are a bit in a hurry on this podcast here, (laughs) but I think the most funny fact is actually that I work within recruitment. I have done so for 13 years and now I'm a founder and CEO of a candidate experience company, but I have never really tried to apply for a job. So
1: (laughs) you you gotta love that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that is um, that is a bit of fun, I think.
2: So it connects with my next question: How did you come up with the idea that sits behind Talent Hub? Uh, You said that you never were looking for a job, so perhaps something or someone else inspired you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes as an entrepreneur, you are (laughs) having days where you consider another job, but. Yeah my first company I, we founded that when i was only 18 years old and and that was compagnon uh, a market leader today in denmark within attraction of of younger generation for either traineeships uh, graduate programs um, and educations and so on and it was actually during that journey that i just remember i had a meeting with with one of our biggest customers i think it's 5 years ago now and then he said to me that, you know what, Daniel, we are not in the business for recruiting. We're in the business of uh, rejecting because we are rejecting a lot more people. Mm. And that mindset was just at that point totally new to me because most of our work that was related to attract enough applicants, you know, getting, creating an en- enough awareness about and, and companies talked a lot in, about amount of qualified candidates and to get enough and so on. But none of our customers really talked about all the ones they reject. Hmm. And then I started looking into it and find out that, I mean, it is 98% of all applicants. They end up being rejected, right? And no one had strategies for it in that sense. There were no data into it and so on. Yeah, so so that was basically how we identified the gap. And, and then we got the first customers, Yeah, got the proof of concept. And then, yeah, now we are here.
1: <laughs> and can you tell us a bit more about what Talent Hub focuses on?
3: After identifying the problem and, and the idea back in 2016, we r- ran a, a few projects together with, with a few of our biggest customers here in Denmark and, and basically found the product market fit for a platform where customers or companies can can collect feedback from their candidates anonym, anonymously throughout the recruitment process. and. Instead of just running that as a project in in my previous company, then we decided to found it as its own company in 2017. As we truly believe that candidate experience will be and, and become a big uh, trend, a big thing within the, the whole recruitment talent acquisition space. Yeah, so, so Talent Hub is a candidate experience company. We have built a platform for measuring and optimizing candidate experience and um, yeah, the roadmap for us is is basically to, to improve and develop candidate experience together with our customers. So one thing is the data that we are right now focusing a lot on the, by, you know, identifying what is good candidate experience, what is bad candidate experience, measuring it. But we are also looking into products that in a scalable way can actually improve candidate
1: experience. And I know that you've been working with uh, Danfos for a while. So turning over to Anna, I, I, and I, I know you're passionate about driving a user experience approach in HR processes. So I was curious to know what was the challenge you saw in Danfoss candidate experience before you started working
0: with Talent Hub? Well, Danfoss is collecting feedbacks from candidates, different audiences, but of course, the key audiences, uh, uh, candidates, but we also collect feedbacks from hiring managers and recruiters. And, and we've been collecting that for, for years. And um, it's, it's just part of company DNA, I would say the, the continuous improvement approach, this is on one side. The other side, we are also a company with, with a very strong focus on, on employees, and future employees, yeah, and their engagement and respect. I think this is the key word. So we were collecting the, the feedbacks for years. Last year, we following the company strategy, we have changed our ATS system and we moved to a new one that was not providing us with uh, with a solution to, co- to collect the feedbacks from uh, in a different touch points during the candidate journey. And this is how we this is how we connected with uh, with the talent hub.
1: Oh, that's that's interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I went on the um, uh, Danfoss Career site to just have a look, and I saw the Talent Hub uh, feedback chatbot uh, popping yeah. up. So I was curious to hear from you, what kind of feedback do you receive? And what do candidates say? And are you able to improve and what can improve based on the
0: candidates' uh, feedback that you receive? Just, to, just to, uh, before I go directly to answer your question, just a few facts. We started the cooperation, f- like really, you can say, full wing, <laughs> full speed four months ago. And we already have, uh, I checked today, 20,000 feedbacks collected through the candidate journey, hiring manager journey and recruiter journey in eight different touch points. The one that you have seen on the career page is the first touch point. This is the feedback that we are collecting from the visitors of our career page to understand what is it actually that they are looking for so that we can improve our career page content if they have found it Mm -hmm. and what is their impression about uh, what they are looking for when when they are considering and out of this 20,000 uh, responses overall i have to say yes we do a lot of uh, a lot of feedback that you can easily cluster into the key topics the way we are using the we will of course we are still collecting and, and it's a matter of getting a certain mess that we can build upon but uh, we can already see some topics that that will be the insights for our invest that will they will be the insights for our inf- going forward investments into the technology but also into the trainings of the hiring managers and the recruiters the key i don't think uh, the over i mean the overall score because this is the beauty of the talent hub platform is that we can benchmark against the others there is a there is a group of companies that we can benchmark against uh, absolutely you know all the data is anonymous uh, so everything is absolutely protect it's it's a security environment but we can see if we are doing better or or worse uh, against our uh, our peer group and and danfoss is doing good in some areas we are doing better than the others but this is this is not enough we have a bigger appetite (laughs) we want to be the trendsetter when it comes to the candidate experience i know you will ask me about what you can read what we can read what we can what we can hear and i think there's a one general expectation from the candidates, not only applying to Danafos but also applying anywhere else, is the response, the quality of the response from the company and getting the response in a timely manner. And this is something that it's, 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 it's not a surprise. It's just a matter of it has to stay, I think, on the top of the agenda of every single company to make sure that we are responding in uh, that we are responding to candidates fast and that we are responding in a way that, that can help them to apply again and be more successful in the process, that would be my mm-hmm. answer to the question.
2: Well, twenty thousand uh, responses, so that's very impressive. In four months, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, I have a question to you both: um, What constitutes a great candidate experience, and what organizations uh, should pay extra attention to during the hiring process? And uh, I especially like to know how organizations can make their virtual candidate experience stand out.
0: Deliver upon promises. If you put anything on your, you know, in a public sources when it comes to how your recruitment looks like, you have to, you just have to deliver upon the promises. And uh, I keep saying to my to my recruiters that are across the world that one thing is absolutely common, disregarding the the corner of the world we are at, and this is respect treat the candidates like you would like to be treated and uh, for me and for us there is no excuse that there is a you know that it's a peak there's no time to you know there's a lot of recruitments there's a lot of volumes it's just a matter of setting the right priorities and the candidate is always our our top priority so i would say this has to be in the mindset of every single person that is engaged in the recruitment process if it's recruiter but also for the hiring managers or interview panelists. Again, uh, waiting for a feedback for two or three weeks after interview is a no go. It's just simply a no go. And the and the beauty of the, again of the of the systems uh, of the current ATS available on the market is that you can follow and track everything. So it's very easy to work with the data. And then if you if you add on the top of that the data that comes from Talent Hub, where basically candidates can also uh, give exact you know exact examples this is a powerful data set that you can use to educate the organization to train the recruiters and to make sure that you basically lift up the overall recruitment culture you can say
3: and if i should add um, a few things then i mean collecting feedback from 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 candidates might seem easy i mean <laughs> Just build a survey and distribute it and then collect some feedback. But the magic happens when you are, you know, collecting feedback in a way so that it's very easy to 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 structure and identify your gaps and your areas of improvement. Yeah, we have now been collecting feedback for companies in more than three years, have millions of data points in the platform, and and, and we have been able to identify actually 10 drivers that is what drives good candidate experience i won't go through all of them uh, in this episode but but it's things from like the ease of use when you apply to the transparency during the process uh, the the expectation setting which is really really important also upfront so for instance a very important touch point in a candidate journey. That's actually the email candidates are receiving just after that they have applied because you could do a lot of expectation setting there. It's also the duration of process, like Anna is saying and and one thing is of course being quick, but but you can also all actually also be too quick. If you are if you are putting hours into an application and then you receive a, a an a rejection uh, five minutes later because you have automated the process. That's that's really, really bad candidate experience. So that is basically what, what we also help companies doing. That is actually measure uh, with the driver framework as our common language. And by that, helping to understand the candidate journey better and, and the areas of improvement. So some companies, they're actually pretty good at the duration part of it being good, of of, of having a good speed in, in the recruitment process. But then they may, might struggle with transparency and expectation setting, which is which is another thing. And I think that, yeah, if we should, if you should go into best case, worst case examples, then then I think that I'm 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 super. I agree super much with Anna on on the on the respect thing actually, and I think that elevate elevating the standard is is the you know the overall standard is is really really important here. So you're mm-hmm. not necessarily mm-hmm. are striving to. I mean, some companies they are they are sending out gift boxes to all their applic- uh, my, some of their applicants after the recruitment process, and then they post it on LinkedIn, and it becomes this super good viral story, and that's perfect when that happens. But I mean, the the really good candidate experience is basically just <laughs> just <laughs> a process where you, as a candidate, feel good and fairly treated, where things have moved quite smoothly, and that you, as as Anna also mentioned, are more qualified next time you apply for a job
1: mm-hmm. yeah and actually I, you, you you got me there because I, that's the, the next question I was gonna ask was exactly that is the the you know the horror stories of recruitment and the the good stories as well so I, I was uh, yeah, curious I think... to hear you know from you if you have any stories from the best and worst candidate experience I have many myself yeah, yeah, yeah. but I was I mean... curious to hear from you what uh, if something comes to mind in particular.
3: I think that I mean can it I think some of the worst stories is actually can' just candidates not not getting any information I mean, yeah, at, typically we, we have conducted a study here in the Nordics and says that a candidate average use between three and four hours applying for a job, and if they don't hear back and and I think a lot of candidates can maybe relate to that that they don't hear anything after applying. Yeah, not at all, nothing. <laughs> Personally, I don't think it can be worse than that. But of course, you can also feel really really disrespectful treated during a, a recruitment process. And that, that might be even worse. But I just think that the least you can do as a company when a candidate applies for a job, that is getting back to them.
0: We have to remember you know, how, much, how big audience we are talking about when it comes to recruitment. So all the, I would only encourage all the companies basically to think about it as one of their marketing channels not to sell products, but to sell the brand. We are talking about thousands or hundreds of thousands of people that are basically clicking that apply button. Mm. And we have a natural traffic to our uh, .com pages where you present the company. So it's a massive, a massive volume. Uh, I'm sorry for, for using that language, but from the marketing perspective, a huge audience that will spread the word about the brand. So it is not only... I think what I would like to emphasize here employer branding is not only HR topic employer branding should be a part of you know the overall branding strategy because these people that are today applying to a job are you you, you should we should always consider them as customers and they will have an impression of the brand
3: I agree yeah I agree, yeah, mm-hmm. agree and I mean there is only one brand yeah, I mean that's that's just I think about employer branding and, and corporate branding. There is There's only one brand. brand, right? Yeah. Yeah, and if we should put some numbers into this, also to putting things in perspective, I I, I had a customer the other day, It's a, a global retailer uh, where we where we did a temperature pilot. You could say 60 days where we measured the candidate experience and, and found out that 56% of the rejected candidates they were detectors. If we put this into some of the numbers where it actually says that some quite famous candidate studies out there, it says that 18% of candidates who have had a bad experience, they would actually stop using a company's product service and so on. This company, they had more than 500,000 applicants yearly. So that's actually a loss if we're just calculating these things up to 50,000 customers on a yearly basis. That's insane high numbers. Yeah. And if you calculate the customer... Lifetime value. I mean, fifty thousand. Then I, I totally agree uh, with Anna. Seeing this potential audience here as as marketing audience that can strengthen your brand, that can be customers, that can be brand ambassadors, that can be future applicants as well, and so on. Right.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah. like you know, we often hear uh, articles as well, or people saying that candidates are your customers, but they they actually are. <laughs> they 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 are people that buy. And actually, I have a, a nice story that I just wanted to share. It came came to mind. Uh, it was a couple of years ago when we could still go at events. Uh, I attended the SourceCon, one of the biggest sourcing conferences uh, in the world. They had the first European one, and uh, I heard the, a, a story about candidate experience of them. Um, a major retailer that actually uh, was really careful how they were treating also those candidates that arrived at the very final stage but did not get the job. Mm-hmm. And because they are really good, but maybe for a number of reasons, they just were not the the best fit for that particular role. But they might be good for the future. So they would give them a small voucher, for example, to to shop in that, you know, with them. And that's, for example, a very nice idea of how to keep your candidates that are really good, but still happy even if they didn't get the, the job because you never know they might be the perfect candidate in you know in a couple of weeks in a month or a year so it's something as well important to keep in mind
2: and uh, what comes to mind it also a word uh, karma uh, daniel i love the believing in karma statement on uh, talent hub website and as we just uh, discussed we know how difficult it is to Land your dream job, but we also know the disappointment when it comes uh, when we are rejected from the dream job. But with the right candidate experience, organizations could turn those disappointed applicants into excellent refers, as uh, Anna just mentioned, and uh, brand ambassadors. So I'm curious to know more about it, and especially why should we treat those candidates like customers
3: I mean. First of all, there is the like the, the the business side of it if the case is that you are a a b two c company most likely and that, that and and of course also you can argue that that b two b companies also uh, have a potential here. but if we're just focusing on b two c companies where where candidates are also either current or potential customers, then our studies find that it's up to 88% that would actually increase their purchase for the company after a positive recruitment experience. So that means better candidate experience is increased revenue. And uh, we also just heard that 18% would actually stop using a a company's product after a bad candidate experience. So that would also be a loss there. Then then we also see that, you know, the perception of the brand is heavily intertwined to, to, to candidate experience, which means that candidates having a good experience, they would most likely reapply. They would most likely refer others to apply. And, and by that, and having, for instance, the amount of of applicants that, that uh, Anna is having, that, then it's a very, very strong, actually, media channel having the, the current talent pool or the current uh, applicants as ambassadors because they know all what two, three, four hundred people, social media, and then we can just calculate some numbers and then we are suddenly out there. So that's the reason why. And then I would just like to say that, I mean, I have also been in love and I'm still in love with the idea of using vouchers and all these things as a part of the candidate experience and a part of the candidate journey. But actually, when we look into it, candidates are just as interested actually in getting some more knowledge about how they can actually nail a recruitment process. How they can perform even better to a job interview how they can do it better next time they apply so if you are not a b2c company having the opportunity to give a voucher maybe what you can do to provide this state-of-the-art candidate experience is to tell candidates more about your process uh, tell them how they can uh, successfully go to a job interview and giving them some some tips and tricks which might be very useful for them uh, in in the current uh, recruitment process but also can be useful for them
2: in the next one mm. and, and uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts too
0: well I couldn't agree more with with Daniel on uh, on the idea of giving something away doesn't have to be you know it's it doesn't have to be material i think in my recruitment the one that i was running i'm always giving a personal feedback to to the extent possible when it comes uh, but for sure for those candidates that i was personally in touch with because also also to put a little bit of you know chili flavor to to to, to this color to this you know very nice colorful picture looking into the data we, we also see that there is uh, there are there are of course applications that are completely not suitable for the positions that we are posting and so the respect has to go two ways and this is what I also would like to, uh, to, to. I'm not afraid of, st- of saying that out loud, if I see that somebody has not spent time, like Daniel was referring to, you know, to get to know the company to, and you know, to really consider whether this could be a place for him or her, and then then it's also a lack of respect. And the data is showing that we, we are seeing Quite a number of applications when it's just simple apply, 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 and so so this is where I'm also missing missing a bit of respect to my recruiters at the end of the day, but when I know that there was a time spent on applying, uh, I always feel that I need to talk to this person or I need to send a message that will give this person an opportunity to understand what to do better next time, and I think. If you recalling the, the previous question, what is the most scary finding in candidate experience?" I think the most scary thing is when I'm, when I'm hearing a feedback from my candidates who are saying, "Wow, this is amazing. you're telling me that. Nobody ever before spent time to give me a call. I think this is the most horror story because if you invite somebody to a phone call, if you invite somebody to an interview or maybe just a chat, but you somehow get into this personal, you already sifted out disqualified candidates because you know that there's no touch point simply. And then you spend some time with these candidates, you get in touch with them. How come that you don't go back? I cannot imagine that you don't go back and you just say, you just don't share, you know, what is it? You have to be prepared though. some of the candidates will completely disagree with you and you have to be professional in handling this kind of conversations as well and you cannot make everybody happy sometimes people are really disappointed even though you spend this time and you give the feedback they are still disappointed they don't understand your approach we are also working recruitment is of course also a confidential space also a space with a with a very strict rules when it comes to data privacy the way you provide the feedback etc so it requires you know a certain set of skills to provide that feedback but i think that the most hor- coming back to my to my conclusion the most horror thing that i have ever heard is that wow thank you for giving me thank you for giving this uh, you know spending my the time with me it could be seven ten minutes and give and giving me the feedback now i know what to do different next time and as we talk
1: about the uh, the rejected candidates you know it, it it is it must be hard to collect feedback uh, from them as well because they are you know they didn't get the job and like you said as well it's mixed feelings some are more cooperative than others some are happier than others or, or less disappointed than others let's say that so what's the secret to approach those rejected candidates and how valuable is their
0: feedback it's super valuable and we do get a lot of feedbacks I checked uh, again uh, just closely before our meeting today that you know what are the what are the recent numbers and and we we are half of our half of approached respondents are actually uh, responding to our our surveys. Across all the touch points, except for the career side, but that one we were actually expecting. There's a huge traffic there, so Mm. the numbers are different. But uh, if you, if whenever you start apply, then across all the different touch points, half of the approached ones are actually starting the survey. That's a good number and something that we can uh, build upon. We collect feedback from candidates that were rejected, as we call it, you know, before any personal touch. So those that are rejected due to significant mismatch between the profile and what we are looking for and then we are also collecting feedback from those that were invited to the interviews and they were rejected from the short list because we have selected somebody else yes there is a you are right of course uh, roberta there's a lot of there's a lot of personal feedbacks but each and every one counts and there are there are methods on also collect looking into the all these feedbacks because they are you know they're written down we were brave enough i think we are brave enough to open up for the text comments not only one to five that would be easy we have methods uh, also by using some different softwares to analyze if there are any patterns in the text the only difficult thing is if, if people are responding in their in other language than english because <laughs> then uh, then of course technically speaking it's a bit of course we understand what is written yeah. there but you can you cannot easily get the statistics out of it but other than that we get the responses people are willing to respond and we are able to analyze the data and take conclusions to be specific one of the topics that are that is definitely on our agenda going forward when it comes to the mm. to our candidate experience um, tech solutions let's put it this way we we will be looking into getting into the dialogue with the candidates on the career side you can say roberta you could say anna but there's plenty of chatbots yes they are there are but we are not actually super happy about how they communicate with the candidates and uh, we are carefully observing the market to see how we could actually engage with the candidates when they are visiting the career site mm-hmm. to make sure that that this is a solution that is adding value to the candidates but also optimal from our end and what we would like to achieve with this technical solution, of course, is to f- make sure that there is um, that we decrease the drop-off rate of the people that are visiting us, but not uh, uh, not not apply for the jobs, mm-hmm. and also to to provide a helping hand to the candidates that are reporting issues with technical issues with applications, or basically they would like just to ask a question. So we will be looking into that, and this will be a very tangible result of cooperation with uh, with Talent Hub.
1: Yeah, because just if I can uh, j- just to add to that point, and you are absolutely right, it it does happen actually quite a lot that you maybe you apply you apply for a job and there's literally no one to contact. This and there might be technical issues or just a question. And I know yeah. that one of the reasons can be that you don't want to be you want you don't want to have thousands of uh, applicants emailing <laughs> recruiters directly, but. But some, you know, some questions are, are, need to be asked and you're left alone, not knowing what to do. Yeah. And, uh, and then it plays with the overall experience and
0: the, the, the idea that you have the, of the brand and, and the company as well. Exactly. And, and I can see these questions on the platforms from Talent Hub because people are putting the questions there. But of course, this is not a cl- contact platform. We are mm-hmm. not sitting there like every day and checking if there is a question. So we are looking into the smart solution. We ha- it has to be smart. From it has to be a you know a business case that can defend uh, itself, and we want to avoid something that we are observing with the chatbots. That people, when you have a chatbot that pop that pops up every time you just switch from one page to another, users and it could not only in recruitment have a tendency. They have a tendency just to you know kill it. So that's not a good solution. We need to find something else. But market is developing so fast when it comes to these solutions, that maybe Talent Hub will provide something cool. So.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm noting down here, and thank you. Uh, no, but I would just like to add regarding the, the collection part of it, what is very, very crucial, that is the call to actions that are put in, in place with the candidates. So, so the whole engagement of it, we are doing everything we can for not making it a survey, <laughs> but being more like, hey, share your opinion, share your feedback, uh, doing a lot of in investigation into the different call to actions and also the survey design. So we suggest Anna and, and all of our other customers not to build surveys longer than than six questions because it also has to be a good experience actually answering these surveys. And, and that's actually the secret you could say, Roberta, to have high engagement on them. And then it's not an annoying high thank you f- for your customer please give us uh, your opinion and, and some it, it 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 is more personal because they have actually invested time in applying for a job right and mm-hmm. and and, yeah. and if they have any suggestions to how you can improve then we just also see that candidates are, are actually happy to, to share them
2: so that sounds like a really uh, exciting feature and uh, you know i'm i'm looking forward to seeing that In the future. So I have the last question to you both. While I was preparing for this podcast, I read an excellent article about Slack and how it's been outperforming other Silicon Valley companies when it comes to minority employees. And it's uh, very impressive how Slack um, is when reporting on their DNI, and DNI is um, diversity and inclusion. So, what is the link between DNI and uh, employer brand, and why should organizations pay attention
0: to it? Then I'll I'll take it first because it's it's uh, it's something that I you know I'm I'm a strong believer in. It's evident that uh, diverse teams are delivering better results. There's it's it's absolutely evident. We have we have absolutely unique situation right now on the job market. Also, we have at the same time I think five. Or maybe even already six different generations in you know like under one roof our customers are also are having very diverse teams we are doing the global business and and we have to respond to it so there's no escape line from just thinking through diversity and inclusion lenses And uh, we do a lot of efforts at Danfoss to, especially that we are an engineering company, you know, structurally uh, and educationally across the globe. Of course, we are suffering from... N- not enough diverse talent pool. We need more, more representation of different talent pools in engineering schools, in engineering, you know, environment uh, as such. And we are also using Talent Hub for contributing to the journey that we are on right now by basically checking as, uh, exactly on the career page. One of the questions is, you know, what is your association with our brand to see if if we are perceived as an inclusive company if we are perceived as an employer who is creating opportunity for uh, and space for diversity and inclusion there's no other there's no other way but to just jump on that uh, jump on that journey mm-hmm.
2: and Daniel, what do you think
3: i agree but but i mean diversity and inclusion is is a it's a trend right now definitely and why is it a trend you could ask that is that is because it's it's totally important and i just mentioned some arguments on on how diverse team is is performing better and i would also just from from a talent attraction point of view then diverse companies are to the the next generation of 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 workers they are more attractive then the point is of course okay when you are having this diversity and inclusion agenda in your company how do you then actually roll it out and of course you could focus on your current employees that's that's a good way starting there right you had you know planning the the, the balance uh, and, and, and so on in, in things. Mm-hmm. Employer brand, if we should go in that direction and, and candidate experience, they are so heavily intertwined, right? So if you are if you are having this diversity and inclusion agenda, then that should also be somehow perceived throughout the candidate journey. Mm-hmm. And the question is, of course, how do you do that? And that's actually why we have developed a few a few questions in our platform, and I think we are adding uh, more because this is something that that companies are are using a lot of focus on right now. That is basically measuring the diversity and inclusion part throughout the entire recruitment process. So, how is the perception of <laughs> you know mm-hmm. the company also after rejection after an interview? Because you could actually already there put diversity on the agenda.
2: Mm. And uh, we have recently asked the same question to Marcina Bayer, who's our RPO brand leader. Uh, Marcina mentioned that you cannot sell a story, you need to be authentic and show your intentions because this is what candidates are looking for.
1: Yeah, and, and something else as well that comes to mind, and talking about Dunfos, actually, whatever you guys are doing, you're doing it right. Because I went on your LinkedIn page, on Dunfos LinkedIn page, and the About section was really simple. And it had two key facts that I still remember. I don't take notes of it. I just remember it that you want the, the target is CO2 neutral by 2030 and 30% female in leadership in 2025. So those are two key facts that represent also, you know, the, the core values, you know, what, what the organization believes in. And it's what candidates see, what they remember. And it's really so important for organizations to be clear on on what their values are too, because that's what speaks to candidate and it needs to be clear, it needs to be easy to remember and one other thing that uh, it's worth mentioning is that it's also important to talk about this because at the end of the day you want candidates who believe in your values to apply because they so that they can uh, fit into your culture and agree with, uh, with what the organization believes in so i think that's something a, a really big takeaway to to take from this and i don't know if anna you're behind the linkedin page of Danfoss, or but it's uh, yeah it, it complements there because it was really good it's a team
0: effort <laughs> that's the beauty that's uh, that's what we are most proud of i will do a bit of a selling of Danafos, but Danafos team and i think this is why also it's it's so um it's so cool to cooperate with talent hub we are because we are so similar there's a there's, there's amazing team spirit in Danafos. it's amazing team spirit in talent hub and i did not agree with daniel to say that don't take it it's just my personal opinion talent hub is providing Is is basically walking the talk when it comes to the customers. We got absolutely amazing customer experience with talent hub when it comes to implementation and then customer service. So whatever they do and sell, they just do it themselves. And this is, I think, referring to this authentic stories. This is a very much authentic story. I I didn't I didn't (laughs) ask Anna to say
3: this. I just want to stress it out. But thank you, Anna. (laughs) It's so kind of you. I would just like to say actually that, I mean, we meet with a lot of companies every month, every week throughout uh, most of Europe, also in, in the US. And I'm a little bit sad when I hear companies saying that they are not ready for candidate experience yet. You know, we are not there yet. And and I mean, Anna and, and her team, they are doing a great job and they are also yeah, front runners, I would say, in, in, in the market. They are doing <laughs> many things better than average. But But the point is, candidate experience is already there. So so it's like I mean, I would just encourage everybody to get started somehow with actually um, looking into these things. We have, we, have, we have actually also made a, a free solution with a fixed survey, so you can you know to all your rejected candidates, basically collect some kind of feedback because I think that it's not it's not a way to elevate candidate experience overall in the world and saying that the timing is not there yet. Because then it would never be. So so that would just be an opinion. Not not phrasing this as this is something for you know only Danforce or only you know big corporations. It's it's something for everybody. And and the karma thing, which is on our website, that is basically that if you are investing a little bit into this
0: resources, providing a good experience, then it will come back to you somehow, Mm. right? You cannot manage something if you don't. You cannot manage what you don't measure. That will be my conclusion. And yes, it takes courage to read some of the comments, (laughs) (laughs) but this is the only way you can do it. And people should also think, I guess, uh, the decision makers, if I can, I hate giving advices if I'm not asked for it, but I'm going to do it. Everyone should think about his or her own shopping behavior. Before you shop, now we all shop online, you go and check reviews, you go and check what the others are saying you cannot as exactly as daniel is saying that you cannot run away from customer reviews and candidates are your customers
2: that's a, that's a great summary i just wanted to say that as our conclusion so again candidates are our customers and uh, to create great candidate experience you need to respond on time you need to respect your candidates you have to always reply and think of it as your Candidates were shopping online, and to all candidates, you have to make sure that you do a bit of a bit of research before you apply for a job, so that you you get to respect the other side too.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this was a really I, I love the discussion. It's maybe my my favorite here. But before I let you go, I have a very last question to you both. And if you've heard uh, the other episodes, you know what's coming. If you were stranded on a desert island and you could only have three things with you, what would you bring?
0: Well, I will. Uh, knowing myself, I, I think I would. I would enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I want to run away on a on a on a desert. I would take books with me. I'm uh, I'm definitely uh, addicted to books. If there would be anything else, well, if I could just take my family, friends, that would be definitely, I would load them on the boat and take mm-hmm. them with me. So it's not, wouldn't be, a, you know, uh, I wouldn't be alone there. I don't know what else. <laughs> I wouldn't take smartphone though.
3: <laughs> I would. I, I I think I would go with actually the smartphone. Sorry, but but and 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 then uh, a charger using you know uh, you know energy from the sun. Yeah. Right, to to and, mm. and and because then that would be the the podcast, Anna. You know, instead of the book, right? True. Uh,
0: Audiobooks. <laughs> and, and then the audiobook.
3: maybe. Um,
0: no. this is not the same, Roberta. With <laughs> <audio books. laughs> you know, I'm the generation X. I remind everybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. And then maybe a cold drink just to enjoy life.
0: <laughs> well, good luck for when it finishes.
1: Yeah, yeah, but that's like, then, <laughs> but it, would enjoy be, it.
3: then it would be fi- 15 good minutes, right? And then the, <laughs> exactly. the, the, the smartphone would be rest of, <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: But why not a boat? But why not a boat, guys?
3: <laughs> that's a good one.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, I think we all should, I know that maybe it's not a popular, it won't be a popular statement, considering that we are all locked down and and we are all tired of it. But I, I think in the normal situation, the normal conditions, under normal conditions, sometimes we all need to, you know, the time for self-reflection and time for ourselves. Uh, this is how I would consider that just to, but I would, I agree, I would need a boat to come back
1: <laughs> at some point <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah but
1: yeah, but that's absolutely true. I think this yeah this year has been has been tough. We, it's really important to take care of yourself and also have some time off and just breathe, really think, come up with new ideas in in you know while while, while relaxing. But well, thank you so much for uh, joining us today on our eighth episode of the Transform Talent podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, and to all our listeners, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app. And since we're talking about feedback, do leave us a review, hopefully a, a good one. And and uh, stay tuned for the next episode, uh, as we will be talking to Manpower Group and Junior Achievement, one of the world's uh, most impactful youth-serving NGOs with operations in over a hundred countries. So see you at the next episode and bye for now. Bye.
0: Thank you. Bye.
3: Bye-bye.
0: Bye. the transform talent podcast because we know the right talent transforms organizations and helps your business flourish talent solutions business and talent aligned